Remember the 90s, when MTV still played music videos, when people still bought physical copies of albums, and when legendary musicians like Kurt Cobain and Dimebag Daryl still walked the earth? Well, now you can once again relive that decade every week on KBGA because your favorite 90s radio show, Sounds Like Teen Spirit, is back and better than ever. It's still the best show on KBGA to hear artists like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Sublime, Megadeth, Primus, and more. Again, that's Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Now on Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m., only on 89.9 KBGA Missoula.
that was Prong kicking off this program with Unconditional off their 1991 album Prove You Wrong. You'll have the opportunity to see Prong in Missoula next month when they open for Black Label Society and Obituary at the Wilma on October 9th. Anyway, welcome to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your virulent host, Ian. This episode includes music from the likes of Mudhoney, The Tragically Hip, Not a Surf, De La Soul, Down, The Chemical Brothers, Turbo Negro, Wu-Tang Clan, Love Battery, and Suicidal Tendencies. Plus, I'm going to be reviewing and playing one song each from the new Toad the Wet Sprocket album, Starting Now, released on August 27th, the new Iron Maiden album, Senjutsu, and the new Manic Street Preachers album, The Ultra Vivid Lament, both released on September 3rd. I'll start with Toad the Wet Sprocket. Toad the Wet Sprocket is probably one of the most striking examples out there of a band whose name doesn't match their sound. They are named after a deliberately ludicrous hypothetical band name from a Monty Python sketch, one that would lead listeners to expect something along the lines of parody rock, or at least butt rock, and yet they traffic primarily in somber and serious songs with introspective musings on life, spirituality, and humanity. Sure, sometimes they tackle more whimsical subject matter, such as Hobbits or Don Quixote, but they do so with the same elevated sense of sincerity and maturity as their more typical fare. Anyway, Toad the Wet Sprocket have, if anything, grown only more self-serious over time in an upward trajectory that has remained unbroken even after their 1998 split and subsequent 2010 reunion. And with the recent release of their second post-reunion album and first new album in eight years, 2021's Starting Now, that juxtaposition between band name and sound is looking about as pronounced as ever. The album opens with the laid-back mid-tempo single Game Day, a quintessential Toad the Wet Sprocket tune. It's not exactly the most stirring album opener ever, but it's undoubtedly the most appropriate among the album's first half, as the next four songs, Transient Wales, The Best of Me, Starting Now, and In the Lantern Light, are all full-on ballads. The twangy Best of Me features backing vocals from none other than Michael McDonald of the Doobie Brothers, and I have to admit, he's still got it after all these years. McDonald's distinctive vocal contributions go a long way towards helping the best of me to stand out among that particular stretch of songs. In the Lantern Light is a pretty good one too, I suppose. With its sixth track, the Counting Crows-esque Hold On, the album finally starts to come alive. This one leads into Truth, which is undisputably the album's most rollicking song and its first of two intriguing outliers. Truth is an inventive fusion of cowpunk and gospel music and a definite album standout. The song's followed by another ballad, Slowing Down, which is followed by the album's second intriguing outlier, Dual Citizen. I feel the best way for me to describe this track is, it's essentially a gorilla's song recorded by Toad the Wet Sprocket. Dual Citizen is primarily driven by a lo-fi electronic beat and frontman Glenn Phillips apparently doing his best to approximate Damon Albarn's ethereal, droning gorillas vocals. I'm still not entirely sure if I like the song, but I can tell you this, for the duration of the song's 3 minute and 49 second runtime, the album had my full attention. Finally, the closing track is yet another ballad, Fever, which sets itself apart from the rest of the ballads by being a couple minutes longer than almost all of them. Ultimately, Starting Now is a pretty familiar sounding Toad the Wet Sprocket album with a smidgen of thoughtful experimentation, but it leans perhaps a bit too much on balladry for my liking. 
I'm certain at least some of you who have heard enough of my album reviews probably think I have a personal vendetta against ballads, but although they're not exactly my favorite category of song, I really don't. I just feel that, as a general rule of thumb for albums, ballads are best utilized as a come-down or refreshing change of pace as opposed to the baseline for an album's sound. Granted, I realize Toad the Wet Sprocket aren't the hardest band out there, but they've still put out their fair share of rockers, such as Holder Down, Fall Down, and Come Down, to name a few. And even their last album, 2013's New Constellation, largely maintained a higher energy level than this. Still, there are enough genuinely good songs on starting now to draw in the casual fans, and longtime fans who have aged right along with the band will probably get a lot of mileage out of it. Alright folks, I generally try to avoid playing outliers if I'm only going to play one song from a new album in a given episode, but this is the song from the album I feel demands the most to be shared, and the content of Sounds Like Teen Spirit is dictated entirely by my whims in the end, so screw it. Here's that Gorillaz-esque track I was describing earlier. Hey, I guess I like the song after all. Again, the name of the song is Dual Citizen. Enjoy!
portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events in its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
listen, we don't need any fancy super duper promo. We don't need any of that. See here with KVGA, we're just a student run college radio station and we play music. It's pretty simple. That's it. on the walls Don't you know I've seen it all before She'll hang the baskets on the walls But I've seen it all before Heard the slamming of the door Come summer, come fall Come winter, there'll be baskets on the floor Mind, he won't be coming back. She'll hang the baskets on the walls, but I've seen it all before. Heard the slamming of the door. Come summer, come fall, come winter, there'll be baskets on the floor.
Local H with their cover of Bloodstains by Agent Orange. Off their 2010 EP, Local H's Awesome Mixtape Number 1. Local H are highly renowned for their diverse array of covers, the bulk of which are spread out between two EPs. The band have been using the Local H's Awesome Mixtape EP series as a means of recording and releasing some of the myriad covers they've been performing in their live sets. Local H's Awesome Mixtape number 1 was released in 2010, number 2 came out in 2014, and as you may have already surmised, a third installment is now on the way. Last month, the band announced an October 8th release for Local H's Awesome Quarantine Mixtape number 3, with the extra qualifier in the title implying that the downtime afforded to them by the COVID-19 pandemic is what enabled this volume to happen. Its lead single is a cover of the 1972 soft rock staple, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, by Looking Glass. Going in, I had a hard time imagining what a hard rock cover of that particular song would even sound like, and Local H ultimately does about as good a job as anyone possibly could have in transforming the song. It still sounds pretty obviously like a cover as opposed to a Local H original, even if you somehow never heard or heard of the 1972 Looking Glass version which would have taken a lifetime of strenuous effort on your part, by the way. But nonetheless, Local H still managed to put their own spin on the track. The band dropped a second single from the EP a couple weeks ago, a cover of the Fountains of Wayne ballad Hackensack. The original already sounds pretty much tailor-made for Local H to cover, so naturally they do a good job with it. In fact, their version of the song is even more tender and beautiful. As for the rest of the EP, it will consist of a grand total of nine tracks and be bookended by covers of the 1984 Prince hit When Doves Cry, with the opening version being acoustic-based and the closing version being electric. In addition to Prince, Looking Glass, and Fountains of Wayne, the artists covered on number three include Eurythmics, Blondie, The Kinks, Led Zeppelin frontman Robert Plant, and Screaming Trees frontman Mark Lanigan. Naturally, I intend to review and play a song from the EP on Sounds Like Teen Spirit once it's released, so keep an eye out for that in the coming weeks. Anyway, before Local H, I played She'll Hang the Baskets by Cake off their 2004 album Pressure Chief. On March the Saints by Down off their 2007 album Down 3, Over the Under. Where Did It All Go Wrong by Oasis off their 2000 album, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, Where the Flavor Is by Mudhoney, off their 2002 album, Since We've Become Translucent, and Prince of the Rodeo by Turbo Negro, off their 1998 album, Apocalypse Dudes. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slts2, and to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Iron Maiden album, Senjutsu. I remember seeing an interview excerpt from founding Iron Maiden bassist Steve Harris in 2012 where he suggested that the band maybe had about five more years of life left in them. He wasn't speaking with absolute certainty, but between the physically demanding nature of Maiden's music and the advanced age of all its members, he seemed doubtful that the band would be able to carry on for much longer. Fortunately, nearly ten years and two studio albums later, Iron Maiden showed no signs of stopping anytime soon. And why should they? 
Even to this day, they have maintained a position in the music world that is rightfully envied by many. Now three full decades removed from their 80s heyday, Iron Maiden are still very much the stadium attraction they've always been, maybe even more so than ever, and they have reached a mythical status amongst their peers and underlings in the metal community, which pretty much encompasses all of it. After you've managed to attain all that, you keep that issue going for as long as humanly possible, plain and simple. Also, even though the band can't quite play as fast as it used to, and frontman Bruce Dickinson can't quite hit or sustain the high notes that came so effortlessly in his youth, Iron Maiden are still more than capable of spinning essential new material in the studio, so it would have been a real shame if the band retired when Harris thought they might, because then such a stellar late career album as 2021's Senjutsu never would have happened. Senjutsu is Iron Maiden's 17th studio album overall, and their first in almost exactly six years, making for the longest gap between Maiden albums to date, though not by much. The band had actually finished recording it in 2019, but the arrival of the COVID-19 pandemic coerced them into sitting on it for a while. Although all the band members were in their 60s by the time Senjutsu was recorded, they sound more vital than they have in well over a decade. Senjutsu succeeds in playing to their enduring strengths while simultaneously working within their limitations, resulting in arguably the strongest Iron Maiden album since 2000's Brave New World. Just like 2015's The Book of Souls, Senjutsu is a double album, but it is ultimately the superior of the two, being slightly tighter, slightly more varied, and slightly more vigorous than the former. Most of the album's tracks are lengthier numbers that follow a familiar Iron Maiden pattern. They typically start out relatively quiet and low-key, with some mournful and reserved singing from Dickinson. And just as those portions are winding down, the songs explode into full-on rock and roll fury, getting us to the meat and potatoes of their content. Generally, after a bridge, guitar solo, and final chorus, these songs will revert back to their understated beginnings, effectively bringing things full circle. It's a formula that Iron Maiden have perhaps abused over the years, particularly on their more recent albums, but it still has yet to wear out its welcome even on Senjutsu, which manages to integrate plenty of interesting and refreshing riffs and melodies into the mix. Admittedly, though, the age of the band does become at least somewhat apparent while listening to the album. I get the sense that shorter, punchier songs like Stratego and Days of Future Past would have been notably quicker and more forceful if the band had recorded them in the early 80s, and there's ultimately nothing here as pulse-poundingly urgent as, say, Run to the Hills or The Trooper, but still, no one can accuse Iron Maiden of failing to bring the rock. Furthermore, the album has taken care not to put too much strain on Bruce Dickinson's 60-year-old pipes, rarely forcing him into a position where he needs to replicate the incomparable caterwaul that marked his earlier recordings with the band. That being said, he still sometimes approaches it closely enough to impress, and on certain songs he actually sounds better than on any of his performances from the last two Maiden albums, despite being significantly older now. All in all, Senjutsu is a late-career triumph for Iron Maiden, and although it's a real time commitment at 82 minutes long, the band has largely succeeded in making it worth your while. Alright, this next song I'm going to play is the third longest song on the album, at 10 minutes and 20 seconds. I usually don't play 10-minute songs on Sounds Like Teen Spirit, but it's my favorite track on the album, and I don't think I'll ever have a better opportunity to share it with y'all, so what the hey, my treat. This one is called Death of the Celts. Enjoy!
wounds so proud And God we trust Cry it out loud Redeem my salve of winning ways Remember all the darkest days Of that I know will see me tread Walketh upon the field of the dead The burden of blood that breaketh the bone The battlefield now I make it my own The glory of the morning we make
depths of despair Beyond the light, darkness will fall Coming to take the life from us all Falling now where God can explain Bidding farewell a life I don't gain Following those who came from hell Came to witness the death of the
Take the steak, Robert. Who gives a damn about those call letters? KBGA, KGBA, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know where the music's at, don't you? Stupid.
want to. Dream 
traveling up the screen plug wonder wonder why you're lonely tonight we see the girls scream as if we're shocked by the live shell round them up and get them back to the hotel motel holiday in fact i'm gonna let you know once again the day i saw the show to show you we will hit the charter harder than the normal rapping bull as hard as an 80s metal hair band thinks they are College Radio is 89.9 FM, KBGA, Missoula. Someone tell me why I do the things that I Someone tell me why I act like a fool when things don't go my way. You're around me, somebody else. There is good reason, I guess. Having it once gone too far. When you clean out the hive, does it make you wanna cry? by voices with Teenage FBI off their 1999 album Do the Collapse. Guided by Voices are getting ready to release a new album soon, believe it or not. This particular album will be titled It's Not Them, It Couldn't Be Them, It Is Them, and is scheduled for release on October 22nd. 
This will be the second Guided by Voices album of 2021, following Earthman Blues from April, so Guided by Voices are actually somewhat behind pace this year relative to the past two years, which got three new albums apiece. However, in a less technical sense, they are actually ahead, as this year Guided by Voices have also been releasing music under the new alias Cub Scout Bowling Pins. This entity has put out the EP Heaven Beats Iowa in January and the album Clang Clang Ho in July, so if you count Cub Scout bowling pins as guided by voices, which you should since they both consist of the same five members and sound basically the same, then guided by voices will have released the equivalent of three and a half albums in 2021. And there's still two more months left in the year after October, so don't be surprised if Robert Pollard and company manage to sneak in yet another release by year's end. Anyway, three songs have thus far been released from the upcoming It's Not Them, It Couldn't Be Them, It Is Them, and they are titled My Limited Engagement, Dance of Gurus, and High in the Rain. For the most part, these are pretty good, if still overly familiar, Guided by Voices songs. To be honest, I found My Limited Engagement to be something of a throwaway, but Dance of Gurus is highly infectious, and High in the Rain, which, at close to four minutes long, is practically marathon length for GBV, ends up being rather grand. Folks, as I'm sure some of you may have detected from my last GBV album review on Sounds Like Teen Spirit, having to come up with a unique review for another new and largely interchangeable GBV album every few months has proven to be a difficult thing for me to keep up long term, so I'm going to start taking a different approach with this band. Going forward, I'm going to wait until after the release of what I believe to be the final GBV album each year and then do sort of a Guided by Voices year-in review. So, when I give my review of It's Not Them, It Couldn't Be Them, It Is Them in a couple months' time, I will also take the opportunity to talk about Earthman Blues, which I declined to review in the spring, and if I'm feeling ambitious enough, I'll work in some words about the Cub Scout Bowling Pins releases as well. I realize I've already acknowledged the possibility that this won't even be it for GBV in 2021, but I'm rolling the dice here. On a related note, Weezer recently announced that they will be releasing a whopping four albums in 2022, one for each season, and I still haven't decided whether or not I'm going to review those individually. I mean, I've individually reviewed every new Weezer album to come out since the reboot of Sounds Like Teen Spirit in 2015, and there have been six, but there was a lot of variation between those albums, so I didn't find it too big of an undertaking. Weezer's output has been all over the map these past five years, but it's kept me on my toes. I'll give him that. In all likelihood, though, I think I'll just end up doing a joint review for the spring and summer albums, followed by another that covers the fall and winter ones. Or perhaps winter-spring followed by summer-fall, depending on how the band decides to order them. At any rate, you can look forward to hearing my year-in review for Guided by Voices around early November. Before GBV... I played Break It Dawn by De La Soul off their 1993 album Balloon Mind State. Hunted Down by Soundgarden off their 1987 EP Screaming Life. Break My Body by The Pixies off their 1988 album Surfer Rosa. And The Golden Path by The Chemical Brothers featuring The Flaming Lips off their 2003 compilation Singles 93-03. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit.
All right. In addition to Guided by Voices, October 22nd will see the release of the next album from Dream Theater, which has been titled A View from the Top of the World. After trying out a relatively straightforward metal style with 2019's Distance Over Time, Dream Theater are diving headlong back into prog metal territory for this one. A View from the Top of the World is a 70-minute album comprised of seven tracks, which range in length from 6.5 minutes to 20.5 minutes, and the album's 9.5-minute lead single, The Alien, very much delivers the proggy Dream Theater goods. It actually sort of sounds like a composite of a few different Dream Theater songs, like Six O'Clock, Panic Attack, and Constant Motion, but those are all great songs, so yeah. Based on this first taste, I get the sense that longtime fans are going to be very happy with this album, and I look forward to reviewing and playing from it for y'all fairly soon. In the meantime, here's Dream Theater with You Not Me, off their 1997 album Falling Into Infinity.
College Radio.
But her body afraid It's not a sexual body What do you see when you look at a girl? Is she a game you want to win? If no one was looking What would you do to get in? Everybody's been laughed at and Everybody's been left out but It's no excuse to turn it around No boy has the right to hold a girl down What if they did that to your sister? What if they did that to your mother? What if they did that to your sister?
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give something else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org. Machine gun rap for all my niggas in the back. Stadium pack, linebacker, looking flash stack. See through yellow lines, rock a fly jersey in the summertime. Guard, magic marker rap, bleed Benadine. Relax, wrote this. Coming at your crab ass, coping, snatch your ice off. Chilling in the back, throw the lights off. Waves, water blend, round flowing, slow motion. Thick snare, I feel it like a snail in the ocean. What's your wish? Wanna cringle like Chris? Melodic single dart snap, but again, just like Jim. You poked up some rich, you can shoot a test, yo. Select the wrong department, and you can pull. Up your dress, style molest that canal chain. We're getting where your vest at. Flex and make me wanna bless that. Yo, Saddam Hussein's again, like the torch. We flame again. Autograph that, flatten all the main again. The world in the palm of your hand. It's strong. 22 million of you true land. It's strong. The scene in the black woman. It's strong. Double LP from Wu Tang Clan. Super freak physique, like Raphael Sadiq. Baby, love the ganja leaf every day of the week. Super friends wake up, deluxe gourmet beats. The night is right, I might find me a sweet. It's a quarter full moon, I arrive with my swoon. Well groomed, dance hall packed, full room. Lady move, peep my glide, peep my zoom. Keep and strive, smoke the lie, smoke the boom. Fill the fumes, consume toxic tunes. Hellbound, species 40 ounce typhoon. The ultra violence queen machine, move your body touch. The totem pole wobble arc. Builders guards rush, beams of light, stop your breathing, it's hunting season. Honey eyeballing down for no reason. Grab a close, play post, wine and wax floors. Never mind the laws, cause tonight yo, it's yours. Stop the gate up the ramp, blast my watch through my preamp. The can't best to be vamped, then it's get blamped. And full throttle, hot left propels throughout my nozzle. Crack your soul like bottles, leave you stiff as models. You have, you couldn't pull one drag off my blunt. You couldn't punch away out of a wet paper bag with scissors in your hands. It's the RZA, I stand close to walls Like number four, the lizard And channel through solar panels Blast off like Roman candles, not vandals Stomp your ass like Wahoo McDaniel You cocker span, you dog Get up with our catalog Put your lights out and leave your brain inside a fog It's only natural, actual facts are thrown at you The impact of blow trees back and crack statues Million dollar rap crews fold Check the sick, it's explicit I crystallize their mind so you can sniff it We live this, fitted hats low, conceal the crooked eye No surprise, verbal stick up, put them high Rebel eye out Split second on the drawer, blow the door off the ish like bricks to C4. It's yours, the wall in the palm of your hand. It's yours, 23 million of beautiful land. It's yours, the scene in the black woman. It's yours, double LP from Wu Tang Clan. Out 
my beaver. Baby blue Glock in the safe. Seen Dorothy in the garden getting skeeter away. We hold a bell, son. That's my word. Spot a rapper, run him down. Throw him out in the third. Yo, check it. I think like the man behind the register. Evergreen smoke in the states. Bond and power make me treasurer. With third down, six to go. Flash of stroke lights. Some open risen hit me off. Lovely and I love him. With root beer thoughts. Here's a tennis court for your birthday. The baby face of rap politic with Sade. Avenging Eagle Crooks. Rock the W and Spiegel books. And Hydra Bush Kings came through. And stopped your whole jokes. Fire Kangos. Watch Tony train a gang of hoes. Painful like hearing the news. Like when your man go. Ends blow. Windy at times. Watch the room shake. Your girl love to sit out the song. Now watch your water break. It's the world in the palm of your hand. It's 23 million of youthful land. It's the scene in the black woman. Double L from Wu Tang Clan. Tissings off their 1991 album Nevermind. Late last month, Nirvana was targeted in a federal lawsuit brought forth by Spencer Eldon, the young man who modeled for the Nevermind cover as a baby roughly 30 years ago. 
Eldon is suing the band over that iconic cover image, alleging that it constitutes, quote, child pornography, that no release was ever signed for the photo, and that his association with the photo has done a lifetime of irreparable damage to his personal and professional lives. Now, I'm sure that the average fan of Sounds Like Teen Spirit has the Nevermind cover forever burned into their memory, but here's a quick description on the off chance you actually need it. The cover image for Nirvana's historic, generation-defining, diamond-certified 1991 album Nevermind is an underwater shot of a naked baby, Spencer Eldon, swimming after a dollar bill on a fish hook, his little neatness dangling freely in the water behind him. The image was shot by photographer Kirk Weddle, a friend of Eldon's dad, at some Pasadena pool in the summer of 1991, when Eldon was only four months old. As Eldon describes it in a 2015 interview, my parents took me down there, apparently they blew in my face to stimulate my gag reflex, dunked me in, took some pictures, and pulled me out. And that was it. They were paid $200 and went to eat tacos afterwards. No big deal. Eldon is now seeking a minimum of $150,000 in damages on top of his legal fees, and as stated in the lawsuit, the court may also award punitive damages and grant such other preliminary and equitable relief as the court determines to be appropriate. Well, folks, naturally I have an opinion about all this, and brace yourselves because it's at least a little salty. Now, before I launch into it, I just want to say that I understand how someone could feel violated in this scenario. To have an image involving your naked form irrevocably etched into the annals of pop culture for all time, one that was taken when you were too young to even form memories, let alone consent to it. However, that is certainly not the case here, and anyone who picks up on this story and thinks, good for him, I hope he gets justice, is undoubtedly missing a lot of very crucial context. Eldon's lawsuit is about as transparent a money grab as has ever been seen in all of legal history. Over the years, Eldon has graciously given several interviews on the subject of the Nevermind cover. He got the title of the album tattooed across his chest. He's done signings where he would autograph people's copies of Nevermind. And most damningly of all, he has recreated the album cover four times to date for the album's 10th, 17th, 20th, and 25th anniversaries. Sure, he has occasionally suggested that he feels weird or uncomfortable about his connection to the famous image, but those comments are undoubtedly overshadowed by one such as the following in regard to the 25th anniversary photoshoot from 2016. I said to the photographer, let's do it naked, but he thought that would be weird, so I wore my swim shorts. Yeah, this guy sure sounds violated, all right. Now folks, I have never been raped or sexually exploited in any way I'm aware of, but if I was, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be repeatedly going out of my way to remind myself of it. Rape victims generally don't do things like get a tattoo of their rapist's name or go back to the spot where they were raped to take a selfie, and Spencer Eldon has already done the equivalent of both those things and then some. I also highly doubt that his association with the Nevermind cover has been a burden in his life. As I have already outlined, he has exploited his status as the Nevermind Baby numerous times for personal gain, and any negative interaction he's ever had in relation to that status was a direct result of his exploitation. I can be certain of this because, remember, he was a four-month-old infant in that famous photo. Frankly, all babies look pretty much the same, and any distinguishing features a person may have are virtually non-existent in infancy. 
You might think that your newborn baby is the most beautiful baby to have ever been birthed, but you should know that is a horribly biased assessment, and the reality is your baby just looks like a baby. Cute, sure, but so are babies in general. I'm going to go out on a limb and estimate that exactly zero people have ever approached Eldon when he was, say, grocery shopping, and based solely on their memory of that iconic album cover, were able to point at him and go, Look everyone, it's the Nevermind Baby! Show us your penis! I'm also going to go ahead and assume Eldon's claim that there was never a release is horseshit as well. Among the myriad legal experts who have weighed in on the lawsuit, at least one lawyer, Brian Sullivan of Early Sullivan in L.A., has expressed extreme doubt that a major record label like Geffen would have used the image without first verifying the existence of a release. And as for the child pornography angle, well, I'll just say that Eldon's assertion that his depiction as a naked baby swimming after a dollar is, quote, like a sex worker, points at some serious misconceptions on his part about how sex workers typically get paid. Also, about the general age of most sex workers. Furthermore, if the Nevermind cover could possibly be classified as child pornography, then that would mean all of the estimated 30 million people worldwide who bought the album are essentially pedophiles, and I just don't think that's true. Currently, there is no indication of when or if this case will go to trial. Of course, I believe that the federal justice system has much better things to do than entertain these ludicrous delusions, and that Eldon should receive nothing on top of never being able to exploit his Nevermind connection for personal gain again, as it would conclusively prove to the world that he was full of ish. However, this will in all likelihood get settled out of court, Eldon will receive a modest sum, and he'll have to live with the knowledge that he actually grew up to be the money-chasing baby he appears as on that 30-year-old album cover. Anyway, before Nirvana, I played It's Yours by Wu-Tang Clan off their 1997 album Wu-Tang Forever, Slam City by Suicidal Tendencies off their 2013 album 13, Nautical Disaster by The Tragically Hip off their 1994 album Day for Night, Mother's Day by Nada Surf off their 1998 album The Proximity Effect, and Out of Focus by Love Battery off their 1992 album, Day Glow. And that about wraps up a litigious episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I have been your host, Ian. I'm concluding this episode with a review and a song from the new Manic Street Preachers album, The Ultra Vivid Lament. All right. Considering I just spent like six or seven minutes ranting about the Nevermind Kid, I'll try to make this as concise as I think I'm capable of. The new Manic Street Preachers album is something of a departure for the band, though not exactly a radical one. The Manics haven't altered their sound much over the course of their 30-ish years of activity, and considering how versatile and consistently good their signature style is, they've never really needed to. Their previous album, 2018's Resistance is Futile, was about as archetypal a Manics album as they come, and that was still enough to enable it to crack my top five albums list for 2018. And yet, for their 2021 follow-up, The Ultra Vivid Lament, the band opted to take a sharp left turn, but ultimately I feel it is one that has paid off. The album kicks off with swirling, atmospheric, synth-driven opener, Still Snowing in Sapporo, by far its longest track at over six minutes in length, and one that's bound to turn some heads, but in a good way. 
This track expertly sets the stage for the predominantly piano and synth-based album to follow. Although there's still guitar on the album, here it feels more like a minor supplement to the much more abundant pianos and synthesizers, as opposed to the driving force behind the songs. Now folks, I'm aware that I've often been critical of rock bands that go synth when reviewing their affected works on Sounds Like Teen Spirit, but I really don't feel like that treatment is warranted here, as the Manix DNA still very satisfactorily shines through on this release. The album's songs were all written by the same core trio of James Dean Bradfield, Nicky Wire, and Sean Moore that's been with the band since the beginning, and they really can't help but sound like themselves no matter which instrument is leading them. The album's two singles thus far, Orwellian and The Secret He Had Missed, both sound like classic Maddox Street Preachers songs, and there's little in the way of filler throughout the remainder of the album. Although the music here isn't quite as rousing as that of a typical Manix release, and the band's leftist political fire is relatively dimmed, the ultra-vivid Lament is still very recognizably a Manix Street Preachers album through and through. Overall, I don't think I like the album quite as much as its predecessor, but I nonetheless consider it to be a successful experiment and well worth a listen for fans. Alright, this last song is one of my favorites from the album, and its second longest track at just shy of five minutes. This song is called Diapause. Have a good one. Is this just the beginning? Or did I look behind? As I missed your demise As I fell through the night I beat you like a stabbing So 